0: Do you wonder how the ancient truth of the Bible intersects with today's news? Do you believe in God's promises to the people and the land of Israel? Welcome to the Lone Star Podcast, a weekly conversation to expand your mind and encourage your soul. Our hosts live in the two Lone Star states, Rabbi Dove Lippman in Israel and Pastor Trey Graham in Texas. This podcast is your opportunity to learn the truth about the God of Israel from two people who love Israel. Please follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new weekly episodes are ready. You ready to be encouraged? Please join Rabbi Dove Lippman and Pastor Trey Graham.
1: We do welcome you to this week's podcast. It's always a pleasure to join together as friends to study the Word of God. And Rabbi, we are continuing our walk through the book of Deuteronomy as we look ahead to the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, which we'll talk about but Rabbi, we're here at the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy, starting in chapter 29, verse 9, and going through the end of chapter 30, which is verse 20. It's a relatively short portion. Remind our listeners, Rabbi Littman, where are we in this journey? And then we'll jump into this week's portion. Heading towards the end
2: of, of the five books of Moses and and the life of Moses, actually, as he's concluding his last will and testament if you were. Just to remind ourselves, last week we finished off with some pretty heavy uh, rebuke and, and, and prophecies of, of curses and tragedy, and I think that this week Moses sort of came to counter that, and that's what he's doing uh, in this week's portion as he builds towards the end.
1: So we begin in chapter 29, verse 10. Verse 9 is where it ended last week. So keep the words of this covenant to do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. And verse 10 says, you stand today. And that's where we get the Hebrew title, Nitzavim. You stand today, all of you, before the Lord your God, your chiefs, your tribes, your elders, your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the alien who is within your camps, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God is making with you today, in order that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God, just as he spoke to you as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Rabbi, the first thing I see here is... All people, no matter their rank, no matter their standing or the importance of their job title, all people are being called into covenant relationship with God.
2: Absolutely. And this you know, a lot of the commentaries question, what exactly is this covenant? We've had the covenant already. We had it at Sinai. We had it mentioned at other times. So what exactly is happening over here? And many of the commentaries explain that this is going a step deeper. This is not just the covenant that we have with God. But it's a covenant that we have with each other that we are responsible for one another, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. So it's not each man for his own, and that's why Moses lists every possible part of the tribe. It's not just the rabbi or the pastor who's responsible for other people. It's every single person, men, woman, child, every possible socioeconomic level, uh, whatever their positions are in society, we are responsible. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are. We're responsible for each other, and this is the covenant which is taking place over here.
1: Verse 12 says that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath with the Lord with which the Lord your God is making with you today. So there is a act of obedience, an act of stepping into the faith. You enter this today. It is a choice, and that's where we're getting to in just a moment about choosing whether or not to obey the Lord. So, Rabbi, this is as if God is reaching out his hand to us, and it's our decision to reach a hand and grab onto him.
2: Absolutely. And this is a theme which we see over and over again in the Bible where, you know, God is, is there. He's available. He, he wants us to be involved. Certainly, by the way, this time of year for us uh, is a time of year where we also uh, focus on this point as we reach the high holidays where God makes himself, so to speak, available to us. And he's there for us. And it's our responsibility at that point to grab the other side of that hand.
1: Verse 14 and 15, verses 14 and 15 of Deuteronomy 29, now not with you alone am I making this covenant and this oath, but both with those who stand here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, and with those who are not here with us today. So Rabbi, this is a reminder of a term that we learned a few weeks ago, multi-generational discipleship. That... We are praying to enter into covenant, to be obedient to God for this generation, but also for the generation who's not yet born.
2: And that's something which... is certainly a basic tenet of the Jewish faith, and I have to imagine the Christian faith as well. This is, these are not uh, pacts and covenants and relationships which were intended for one generation or two, just for the people who experienced it, but it's binding. And God is saying, I will keep my side of it forever. I will do what I'm promising for you forever, and now I'm calling to you and your children to keep to their side of it uh, as well.
1: Verse 16 says, you know how we lived in the land of Egypt and how we passed through the midst of the nations through which you passed. Moreover, you have seen their abominations and their idols. So there's a warning here. Walk with God in the circumstances in which you live. Notice the idolatry or the sinfulness of the people around you, but stay focused on God so you're not tempted by those around you.
2: And and this is specifically a mention, a, a, a reference to the people of that generation who have seen it, and and God is essentially telling them, uh, you've seen it, you've witnessed it, uh, you have so far uh, fought off the temptation to be part of it, but once you've been exposed to something, it's there and it's a part of you and it's something which your children could glean from you if you reference it, if you talk about it, if you're hiding some kind of passion for it. So God wants us to be aware of the things that are around us that have the capacity to hurt us spiritually, to be aware of that. Not to close ourselves off exactly like you said. You see what's around you in the world. We're not supposed to uh, be hermits and go off on our own. Uh, We do live in a world where there are spiritual dangers be aware of them once you are aware of them then you have the ability to fight them off
1: this is a very strong verse here in the middle of deuteronomy 29 about the man starting in verse 19 the man who is stubborn in his heart and he's boasting and verse 20 says the lord shall never be willing to forgive him but rather the anger of the lord and his jealousy will burn against that man and every curse which is written in this book Will rest on him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven, and the Lord will single him out for adversity. This is a serious warning for the boastful person, the stubborn person, the person who refuses to bow their heart to God. It is, and Moses
2: doesn't hold back uh, in this last speech of his about that but he also points out and that's why those words that you just read pastor in verse 20 are so critical god separates him for evil don't think that if an individual is sinning yes we just talked a minute ago about how we're responsible for one another and as long as we're doing our best to try to inspire others we're not going to be held accountable for the sins of others does a diff- distinction made between the sins of the nation and the sins of the individual. Uh, For the sins of the nation, there is collective punishment, so to speak, and we are in this together. When it comes to individuals, uh, it's not that way. And for individuals, God will separate them and deal with them separately. Uh, But yes, certainly a strong, strong warning about the consequences of our actions.
1: So the Christian will ask the Jew about your tradition and how it works for you. In the Christian family or Christian faith, there's a strong calling to reach out to the brother who has fallen away. It is the idea, the famous prodigal son story that Jesus told, where the son has wandered away from the father and the father welcomes him home. Matthew 15 has ideas about how we ought to or matthew 18 that is how we ought to restore a brother who's fallen away from the lord here at first glance this might seem like well if the guy runs away from god just let him go let him fall into sin how is there in your understanding of judaism a calling to try to restore the fallen brother this pact
2: right here actually says it more than anything. Uh, the idea that we're responsible for one another and to see the consequences that to come to somebody uh, who falls away. We do have that responsibility, and we have a responsibility to engage with them, to interact with them. And by the way, that can also relate to these verses which we're talking about. You're seeing the idolatry, you're seeing the pagan. It's okay to be exposed to it, to, 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 in, to get engaged with someone who's on the wrong path, as long as you put in the safeguards to protect yourself from falling, and also uh, as long as it's done with a goal of inspiring them. But it's a major part of our faith uh, to reach out to those we call it Kiruv Levavot, Bringing Close the Hearts, uh, the movement of Kiruv. Uh, Certainly in our time where we have a large number of secular Jews, of people who are not on the path of Torah and mitzvah observance, uh, we do our best, we do whatever we can to try to inspire them. There are actually whole institutions uh, that are out there to try to engage and speak and inspire uh, people who are in that situation.
1: We continue through this week's Torah portion. We are at the latter part of Deuteronomy chapter 29. We get to verse 22. Now the generation to come, your sons who rise up after you, and the foreigner who comes from a distant land, when they see the plagues of the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it, will say, all its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste unsown and unproductive no grass grows in it like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah Admah and Zeboim which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath all the nations shall say why has the Lord done this to the land why this great outburst of anger and the men shall say because they forsook the covenant of the Lord the God of their fathers which he made with them and they went and served other gods and worshiped their gods whom they have not known and who have not been allotted to them. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against that land to bring upon it every curse which is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and in fury and in great wrath and cast them into another land as it is this day. Several questions here. First of all, I, I know that this is a warning. It says the generation to come. So this is a way parents and grandparents get ready to help make your kids and grandkids, aware of the danger of running from God. But my question, Rabbi, is who is this a warning to? Other nations or to the Jewish people?
2: So we certainly understand... that it's a warning to the Jewish people, um, but, but to be able to have clarity to answer the questions uh, that will come. Uh, when people question why are the Jewish people suffering in this way, what has come their way, uh, we need to be able to have an answer to that in order to praise God, to bring glory to God and not to allow them to be a disgrace of God. We we want to be able to be bringing holiness into the world and not have people see what befalls us because of our sin and then to compel to compound that by somehow leading the world further and further away from God instead of bringing them closer to God. So we have to be able to tell our story. We have to be able to stand up and say, yeah, we sinned. Uh, we did things that were wrong. That's why we went through 2,000 years of exile. That's why we've gone through this, and we don't understand all the ways of God. Uh, but we also then reaffirm our connection to this land. We can say, yes, we were exiled. Yes, we suffered. Yes, we were punished. But this is all part of God's overall plan. And we are able to justify our return to the land based on that as well.
1: The last verse of chapter 29 is verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. And I read this as saying, there's more to the plan of God, the mind of God, than we finite human beings can understand. There's more to the plan of God than is written in his word. So know that, but take what you have been given and what you have learned and try to obey those commandments
2: and that verse that verse of the hidden things in verse 28 the hidden things are to god and all we have is the revealed is so critical because we have to remember that we are limited human beings we are not going to understand the word the ways of god as one of my rabbis once said i don't want to worship a god who i can understand entirely i want to worship a god who's beyond human being. And that's what this is saying. You're not going to have answers to all of your questions. You're not going to understand all of God's ways. And that's okay. That's okay because he's God and that's the way it's supposed to be. We can deal with what's been revealed and that's what we should focus on and use that to inspire us.
1: Now we get into Deuteronomy chapter 30, the last part of Nitzavim, this week's Torah portion. Chapter 30, verse 1. So it shall be when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. And you call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and all your soul. According to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. Now, Rabbi, it appears that Moses is in chapter 29 calling people to obedience and holiness but here in chapter 30 he's saying but you won't do that so you'll be punished and here's what's going to happen after the lord restores you so it's almost a prophecy of your upcoming unfaithfulness
2: absolutely god is saying you are human beings and and there's going to be sin but he emphasizes, and that's why this chapter is so important, and it's actually timely, given the fact that we're coming towards the high holidays. It's the time, uh, it's the idea of repentance, that you will make a decision, wherever you are, no matter how far you've gone from God, you will decide to come back. It's almost a prophecy from God saying that, some understand it as a command towards repentance, but you will come back, no matter how far away you are pushed, both geographically and physically or spiritually spiritually you are never gone forever. You will come back. And this is building the people back up after talking about the human frailties and the, the the errors that we will make. You will be able to climb your way back. You just have to follow God's path in order to do so.
1: So let's take a pause here just before we get into verses 4 and 5 and ask you, Rabbi, give us the teaching or the advice the person who loves God, the person who loves the Bible, Jew or Christian, trying to serve God, trying to follow after Jesus, what is your advice to them? How do I be a holy person? How do I not fall away from the Lord? So it's almost as if the Bible is telling us you're not going
2: to be perfect, and that's okay. Not that you should be seeking sin, but the, the, the key is, how do you respond once you have sinned? Um, there's a contrast between King Saul and King David, where they both sinned. Uh, King Saul sinned and started making excuses and started pointing to this one and to that one, and he lost the kingdom because of that. King David sinned, and he was confronted about it, and he said, I sinned to the Lord my God. I did it, and now i got to make things better. And the, the best advice is, Always be on the lookout, always be striving, always be studying, always be involved in prayer, always be analyzing our actions. But when you do fall, which will happen because we're human beings and the Bible is filled with those stories, to make sure that you find your way back. Don't let yourself fall even further. Catch yourself before you get into a free fall and, and work your way back. But work your way back recognizing that you need God for that. You can't do it on your own. It's God. And and these verses here, Moses emphasizes over and over again. It's God who's the one who brings you back. It's God is the one who reaches out his hand, as you so powerfully said it before, Uh, but to always be aware. Uh, We have a tenet in our faith uh, which says, uh, think, reflect, always be aware of what you're doing. Never fall into a trap of just living your life without having that reflection, without having time to analyze, how you've done that day, that week, that month, that morning, that afternoon, that year. We're constantly analyzing, constantly reevaluating. And if you do that, you'll be in a good place to be on the right path.
1: We continue to walk through Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we get to some very important prophecy that's being fulfilled, that's being lived out right now in our days. Deuteronomy 30, verse 4, If your outcasts are at the end of the earth, from there the Lord your God will gather you And from there he will bring you back and the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And Rabbi, we've talked about Aliyah, the Jewish people moving back to the land as you and your family did, leaving the U.S. to move to Israel. You personally, my friend, are an example of God fulfilling his promise in these verses right here in Deuteronomy 30.
2: Yeah, it's quite humbling to realize that we were blessed for some reason to be part of this process uh, and all the thousands of others who have come. Uh, You know, there were were thousands of years where Jews and people of faith all around the world read these verses, and the first part was fulfilled, verse 4. We were cast off all around the world. That did happen, and they all believed that sometime God would gather us and, and bring us back back from there, and in verse 5, bring us to the land which is our inheritance and things will be good for us. Uh, People read that and believed it. I certainly hoped for it. We don't have to believe it. We know it. We've experienced it. It's happening as we speak. And uh, it really is the the easiest of times, so to speak, to be faithful to God and to be a believer, because these ridiculous, crazy, far-out prophecies of being spread all around the world and somehow maintaining our faith and coming back have actually come true before our eyes.
1: And this should lead Christians and Jews to say, if God made this promise and kept this promise, we can read the other promises he has made and believe he's going to fulfill them just like he said.
2: That's for sure. Once you've seen this promise fulfilled, uh, there's no doubt that uh, we can have the confidence to know that uh, any other promises that have been made are are certainly coming. And and the truth is, just the return to Israel was the start of it. Then you have the miracles of the wars, fighting off the enemies, the country being established, uh, being a place where all people of faith can come in and worship. Step by step, so many remarkable things are happening.
1: And we continue in Deuteronomy chapter 30, now verse 6. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. Talk again about circumcision of the heart. It's kind of an interesting way to phrase this, but you've talked about it before. It's, it's an act of sacrificing yourself to the Lord.
2: Exactly. It's giving something up. Uh, there's no way to achieve spirituality closest to God without making those sacrifices. But it also tells us, you know, the idea of the circumcision or the, 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 the symbol, so to speak, the, the visual that we're being given, God is basically saying, your heart is there and ready to burst to connection to God. But we do things to cover that up. And we bring all the physicality and all the, the, the pleasures of the world and we hide it. And God is saying, I will circumcise that. I will, if you take the steps towards me, I will remove that and unleash you and free you to be able to be totally devoted to me.
1: And the next verse, verse seven, and the Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I command you today. So there's a promise of restoration, and also a promise of protection from the enemy.
2: And that's, again, you talk about a prophecy that you see coming true today. Anyone who studies the, the history of Israel and the numbers uh, that we were facing in terms of being outnumbered by our enemies time after time after time, and how with God's help we've been able to defeat them, and uh, Israel has become even bigger and stronger. Uh, literally, exactly what God is talking about over here, that he will not only bring you back to the land, but he will also give you protection, security, and safety uh, from those enemies.
1: One recent survey announced that Israel was declared the eighth most powerful country in the world using diplomacy and military might and, and economy and all kinds of factors. But after the U.S. and China and Russia and a few like this, the U.K., eighth most powerful country in the world is a tiny little land only 70 years old. It's really, I,
2: I, you know, I, I ask groups whenever I speak to them if there's a story like this in world history. I mean, the, the numbers are just staggering to see how small we are, both in terms of population and in terms of land mass and the role that we play in the world and where we, like you said, where we are, uh, where we rank. Uh, this is, there's no way to explain this uh, other than God and uh, God's blessing coming true. And again, reinforcing our faith as we see words that we're going to read in synagogue this Sabbath uh, coming true before our eyes.
1: Continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse eight. You shall again obey the Lord and observe all His commandments which I command you today. Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your cattle, in the produce of your ground. For the Lord again will rejoice over you for good just as He rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul... And Rabbi, it's the theme of our church and the theme of what I often say on the podcast, blessing follows obedience.
2: Absolutely. And how many times have we seen that repeated over and over again? And and one of the things that we have to remember goes back to that earlier verse about the hidden things. It's not as if I do a good deed and all of a sudden I see how I'm showered with blessing. I do something wrong and all of a sudden uh, I see punishment But it's definitely uh, something which you have to look a little bit deeper to see. You have to realize that the blessing could be the obedience itself, just the the joy, exactly the words that are used over here, the joy that comes from having a life of spirituality and a life connected to God. That is the blessing. The blessing is not necessarily physical uh, well-being, although that's something which also uh, certainly comes to us on a national level. But it really does relate to the spiritual state which you're in, which gives you a state of mind you can deal with anything uh, that comes your way
1: and i think verse 11 is very important for this commandment which i command you today is not too difficult for you nor is it out of reach it is not in heaven that you should say who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we ob- may observe it it's not beyond the sea the word, verse 14, is very near you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may observe it. I think this is very important because people say, oh, I could never do that. I could never be obedient, a follower of Jesus, a lover of the word of God. I could never do this, and this specifically says it's not too difficult for you.
2: I cannot tell you how many people have said to me, observing the Sabbath, that's impossible. Who can go 25 hours without their cell phone? Uh, Fasting on Yom Kippur, that's impossible. I can't go that long without eating. Um, The whole idea of kosher, of of keeping to the dietary laws, the idea of just living a life where God is present in your life, the way you've described it now as well. How many people have said we can't do that? Uh, Anybody can do it. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy, but God is saying over here, I'm not asking you to go to some place that you can't get to. I'm not asking you to do an act that a human being can't do. I'm asking you to do things that are very tangible, that are very realistic. You just have to have the motivation for it. And that's why I, I think to hear a Moses in God's name saying these words is extremely comforting uh, for those who are not yet on the path, but are giving it some consideration.
1: And we come to the last section of this week's Torah portion, the last few verses of Deuteronomy 30, starting in one of the most famous and well-known verses. It's verse number 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. And I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. So there's a fork in the road, Rabbi. One side is life and prosperity, uh, the other is death and adversity. We stand every day at the fork in the road asking, which path are we going to take?
2: There are some commentaries that go a step further and say it's not even just every day, it's every moment. We have free will. There's choices that we can make uh, at every single moment of our lives, and God is saying, choose life. I want you to choose the right path. I'm giving you the opportunity, and now you have to take hold of it. Uh, And very, very powerful words. I've placed before you Hayom, today. Today is in the present. It applies to every single generation. It applies to every single moment.
1: But, verse 17, if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you, Hayom, today, that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you were crossing the Jordan River to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. Rabbi, again, fork in the road, I promise the results of the... Godly path, our blessing, I promise also the results of the unfaithful or the ungodly path, cursing, trust me that I know what I'm talking about in both instances.
2: And this is Moses who is speaking, Moses the human being who saw saw God, so to speak, face to face, as it were, uh, with total clarity and he gives testimony, and he looks at the people, and he says, choose life. Verse 19, choose it for you, for your children. Now, again, this doesn't mean that people don't pass away. It doesn't mean that people don't pass away tragically. He's talking about the essence of life, what it's really all about. You can have a person who lives a short life, but it's a meaningful one, as opposed to someone who lives a very long life life filled with vanities but choose life you want to have eternal uh eternal existence connection to god this is what i'm telling you to do
1: so we've come to the end of deuteronomy chapter 30 and Nitzavim is this week's torah portion and rabbi i'd like you to sum it up by answering this question some people want to seek god simply to get the gift to get the blessing or the reward And while there is reward for obedience and godliness and closeness to the Lord, shouldn't our motivation be an act of submission and worship and sacrifice because of who God is instead of what God can do for us? And one way the Christian lingo says this, Rabbi, is seek the Lord's face, not the Lord's hand.
2: That's a beautiful, beautiful way of saying it. And I think that Moses has been saying this throughout. We're not talking about how to get wealthy. We're not talking about how to reach a point where you can retire and go uh, to whatever retirement community uh, people are looking into today. We're talking about how to live a meaningful life. And that is what this entire portion uh, is all about. Uh, By the way, it's not a coincidence That this portion always comes out uh, right before Rosh Hashanah, which for us is a day of judgment, which is a time for analyzing our lives. Where are we heading? How are we doing? Where do we feel we need to go? And going back to the first three words of the portion, Atem Nitsavim Hayom, you are standing today, there's no doubt that that day is all talking about Rosh Hashanah. That day is talking about we stand before God. We stand before God for judgment. And this is a critical, critical moment where we analyze not where we are on a physical level, not where we are on a material level, but where we are on a spiritual level. And That's what this entire message
1: is all about. We have come to this end of the portion it's a short portion this week deuteronomy 29 and 30 called nitzavim and rabbi always a great privilege to study the word of god with you i want to say shabbat shalom to you and your family and also we're getting ready for the holidays we'll be talking about rosh Hashanah soon so hag and shanah thank
2: you so much shabbat shalom to you to all the listeners wishing everyone a
0: shanah thank you for joining us for the lone star podcast Follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new episodes are ready. Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham next time to expand your mind and encourage your soul. May the Lord bless you and draw you to Himself this week.